So like, how would you value a cannabis company? Yeah. So I would, I would go off of a couple of different ways. So the first way would be to, would be through a precedent transaction where I would look at other sort of companies in the industry, in the cannabis space and see how they were valued at the time that they were acquired. You know, I think that in general wouldn't be the worst idea because certainly a lot of the M&A transactions that have happened in the last, in, in, the, in the industry have happened in the last couple of years. So an issue with precedent transactions is that sometimes you try to find a deal that has occurred relatively in the same time frame. You don't want to do something that's too far out. Um, so certainly there's been a lot of M&A activity that's happened in the cannabis space recently. Um, so you could just value your company based off of a similar company that was acquired in the same space. Um, the second would be to look at public companies, do public comparable comps. Um, you know, certainly there are a lot of public companies that exist in the cannabis space. My only drawback to doing public comps would be there are no companies that are public on the US stock market. It's all in Canada and other European markets. Um, and those companies use different multiples because they're based in different countries. So it might be a little bit hard to value a company because the US is different um, based off of public companies and public comps. Um, and then the third and final way would be to do a discounted cash flow. Um, and you know, discounted cash flow, you would value the company based off of its future cash flows um, to its present value um, and see sort of what the growth looks like uh, in the future. I certainly think that those are two, I'd say president transactions and DCF would be probably the two best ways to go about valuing a cannabis company. Um, but if I had to pick two, between the two, probably pick a DCF because companies are sort of in their early stage right now. They're not a lot of public, they're not a lot of companies that have been necessarily acquired or are big enough to be acquired. There's a lot of startups in the space, like I sort of noticed in the VC world. Um, so I would definitely do a DCF to value sort of the future cash flows and discount that back to present value. So you said that, you know, a lot of companies um, use different multiples, the ones that are listed yeah. in Canada and Europe. So what multiples are they using? Um, you know, I would, hmm. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Okay. So if you're not, but that, sure, is, but that is true though, right? Like since they're in different countries that they use different multiples, right? Well, it's so the first things first. If you're not sure, I yeah. just can go there. I just wouldn't yeah. open that can of worms because, and this is, this is for the rest of you who are watching this too. In an interview, um, we'll see like, I mean, obviously the interview, the interviewer is in the driver's seat. They can ask you whatever they want. Right. But to be honest, one thing that most people don't realize is a lot of the times, a lot of interviewers, they don't go in with predetermined questions. They'll just ask you questions based off of whatever you give them. So you, a lot of times can steer the conversation in the direction that you want to go in. You want to steer towards things that you're knowledgeable about. And you don't want to mention anything that you're not knowledgeable about. Like before you say something, you just ask yourself, like, if they ask me a follow-up question about that statement that I just made, am I going to be able to say anything intelligent? If the answer is no, then don't go there. Right. Um, I asked you that follow-up because when you said they use different multiples in Canada and Europe, I was thinking, I don't know, I don't know anything about cannabis. I'm not a cannabis banker. Yeah. But just as a former banker, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, what, what other multiples? Like, what, what do they use? And, like, I'm genuinely curious. You know, I actually suspect, without knowing anything about um, cannabis, I think that a U.S. cannabis company, and a European cannabis company, and a Canadian cannabis company, they're all probably valued off of the same multiple. Okay. Whether that's a revenue multiple, my guess is a revenue multiple because, especially for like newer industries where a lot of companies may not be profitable yet, you can't really value off of anything aside from a revenue multiple because your, your, your EBITDA or your EBIT are, are negative, right? A lot yeah. of times. So that's my guess. Again, I'm not a cannabis expert. You should know more than, you should know this friend I would based on what you guys use at Casa Verde, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably, they look at the same valuation multiples, but the ranges might be different from region to region, right? Just like US stocks. I don't know if this is still the case, but as far as I know, US stocks typically trade at a premium in terms of the multiple to, I don't know, like, stocks in the emerging markets, right? In cannabis, it might be different where due to regulations and whatnot, maybe in Canada, the cannabis companies are a lot bigger and the industry more mature. And so maybe in Canada, the cannabis companies would trade at a higher multiple than the US cannabis companies. I don't know, right? Yeah. You should know that stuff though. Um, if you don't feel like you're like super well-versed on it, like because this is the cannabis group that you're interviewing with and because you did intern for eight months at Casa Verde, um, I would go and read up on cannabis valuation before your interview, there should be plenty of stuff you can find on it, you know? Yeah, I feel like they will. 
from like the mock interviews that I've watched, I feel like the more you like, if you had an investment banking internship, you probably are going to get grilled more on valuation than maybe someone that didn't. So I feel like definitely if I had a cannabis internship, they probably would grill me on that. Yeah. I mean, I think from like an, uh, from a technical standpoint, like accounting and valuation, those are like must knows, yeah. right? Like they'll almost always come up in your technical interviews and then like M&A and LBOs, they're a bit more advanced. They may or may not show up. Um, obviously still better if you know it than if you don't. Uh, but you know, if you crunch your time, then I always tell people like, definitely know your accounting, definitely know your valuation, right? The other thing on what you said too was, you know, probably this, you said DCF and precedence are the two best ways. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you know that to be true? No. Okay. Cause like, unless you know that for sure, I probably would avoid that statement too, because okay. I think that there's no, like, that's just like a tricky thing to defend, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm trying to say is like, I could totally argue the other side and be like, no, I think comps are the best way. And I just don't want to like get into trouble with that. Yeah. Right. Like, do you really want to have a debate with a cannabis banker about something that's just your opinion? Like I don't. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you went a step further and say, you know, DCI is probably best because most companies are early stage now and a lot of startups. And I think so they're like, you know, not ready for M&A yet. Follow up question I would ask you if I were interviewing you is really like, so you think the best way to value an early stage company is by doing a DCF, like aren't there free cash flow typically negative in the beginning? So how are you going to do a DCF? Mm -hmm. Now you're kind of like, I'll put you on your heels a little bit and now you're playing defense, right? Yeah. Um, so how do you, in general, I mean, this is like a question for, I guess, for everybody, but like, how do you, how do you not get yourself? Like, if you don't know the answer, like I, I wasn't prepared for that question, clearly. How do I not get myself in trouble if I am given a question that I don't necessarily like know the answer to and you get in this sort of like mental block where you just don't really know what to say so you start saying things and then you get yourself into trouble? Well. For someone who's just like saying stuff on the spot, I think you actually did quite well for, <laughs> if you were just kind of like BS, you yeah. want to do it. You know, it wasn't like super obvious, but like the generally like what you want to do in an interview, especially if you're not sure, is like less is more. Yeah. Right. So I was like, like, cause you just said like, I wasn't really sure about the answer. I wasn't prepared for that question. And I just, you just start rambling and saying whatever comes to mind. But the more, the more you say in an interview, a couple of things, the more you say in an interview, the more room there is for you to make mistakes. Cause you, you say something wrong, like I can nitpick. Yeah. There's more things for me to nitpick about what you said. Right. So I would say less. And then the other reason to say less is like bankers have really short attention spans. And a lot of times um, saying less is the safer thing to do than saying more, because if you say less and they want to know more, they'll always just ask you follow up questions and you can then, you know, go in, go more in depth and give them what they want. Yeah. If you say too much, a lot of times bankers will like lose interest. They're like, dude, that's not what I asked. Right. I actually did feel that a little bit in the beginning. Cause I asked you like, how would you value a cannabis company? I just do cannabis in the sentence because we're talking about cannabis, Yeah. but you can remove cannabis. The question is just like, how yeah. would you value a company? Yeah. How would you value any company? You value any company off of precedence, training yeah. comps to DCS. Right. Yeah. So what is the absolute minimum you have to say for this? Most question? It's just like, well, you either use training comps, present transactions or DCF, or most likely if possible, you would use all three and you would triangulate the valuation. Yeah. And I'll just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, let them ask the follow-ups. Right. Cause like, those are, there's nothing, you can't go wrong with that statement. That's just like basic. Right. Then they're like, okay, but like, what are the, cause you started going into like the pros, everything, the pros yeah. and cons. You started going to the pros and cons of each methodology. You're like, you know, present transactions are good because there's been a lot of activity, blah, blah, blah. And like public comps aren't as good. Cause there aren't as many companies that are on the U S stock market. Like those are all answers to follow-up questions. Yeah. Right. Like if I asked you, follow, if you gave me the bare minimum and I was like, okay, but then like specifically for the cannabis industry though, which of these do you think are the most appropriate? Yeah. Then you might answer with, you know, all the other stuff that you gave. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. The other thing too, is when you, when you force them to ask you follow-up questions, um, one, you're killing more time in the interview. 
because there's only 30 minutes for them to like try to trip you up. Yeah. And two, you're offering the same amount of information you would offer anyway, but to the interviewer, it feels like they're asking you more questions. Mm-hmm. So it feels like you got more questions correctly. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of times what interviewers are doing is like, they'll just keep escalating. They'll keep asking you follow-ups to whatever you say to see how far they can push you. Right. So if you can only answer like the first degree questions, or can you go like second degree or second level, third level, fourth level, like the more follow-ups you can successfully answer, the more impressed they're going to be. Right. And you can only do that by being more concise as opposed to, you know, giving them your verbal diarrhea, basically, just like giving them all the stuff that they didn't ask for. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's great advice. All right.